0: Hi, this is Avi, and I'm Ron, and this is Accent Insights. And we're picking up from where we left off last week. Uh, we started a really great conversation with John VanScoik, a select board member in Brookline. Uh, we were talking about the comprehensive plan. Uh, and we, we had such a great conversation. We It went long and we divided it into two episodes. Here's the second half of that conversation. We're going to continue talking about some really interesting topics, including climate change initiatives, affordable housing, sometimes the the tension that that has with preservation initiatives. Uh, I hope you enjoy.
1: I am am an ardent preservationist, but um, I'm also an ardent uh, climate change activist. And, you know, there are aspects of The the future that we need to embrace when it comes to climate change sometimes does not match the goals of historic preservation of leaky old houses (laughs) that have gas heating systems, you know.
2: Can we talk about other sort of climate change initiatives that, that are going on or things the conversations that are happening in the town?
1: Sure. I mean, and a big one was, you know, kind of in the news just today, um, New York times covering the fact that New York city is going to be in the forefront of, uh, legislation that uh, requires new building to be gas free and in the coverage in the New York times, no less, um, they cite Brookline as one of the communities that has sort of created this wave, uh, which potentially, you know, is a wave that will touch every city in America uh, of uh, banning gas connections to new construction.
0: I was my little plug for induction stoves that and I used to think that uh, stoves, uh, you know. gas. I used to think gas stoves were the best, but we have an induction stove now and. It is incredible, and I highly recommend it, and you would not believe how fast we boil water. Uh, Well, you know, I read an article
2: uh, not that long ago about how the gas industry just had this major PR push in the 50s. They came up with the Now You're Cooking With Gas slogan, and they really convinced people that, you know, gas cooking is superior Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, there was not, there wasn't this notion of gas was the way to go, but it, it really has, it was one of the most effective campaigns. Really people have this notion. I want a gas stove. I want, you know, ga- gas oven, electric oven is a little bit different, but, uh, mm-hmm. people, people like the idea of gas and they have to be sort of retrained that, Oh, there's other ways of going about this. That might even be better.
0: Yeah. Almost universally people walk into a house and, uh, they see the gas stove. Buyers walk in and they say, Oh good. It had gas. I want a gas stove that, no, yeah. you don't want gas stove. There's <laughs> yeah. other things are better now.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, good, goodness knows. I mean, we've uh, I, I've lived through that whole transition from pretty much the dominant source of heating um, d- domestically was fuel oil, okay? And everybody had that tank in the basement, you know, and the mm-hmm. oil burner, oil-burning <laughs> furnace. And then uh, for good reasons, um, once the price leveled off, gas versus oil. People wanted gas. They didn't want oil. Oil was dirtier, you know, gas was cleaner, uh, et cetera. So everybody got gas thinking, you know, this is as pretty much state of the art as you can go, you know, and they fell in love with gas. Everybody loves those um, European stoves now that have got eight burners and you name it. And they when Brookline, <laughs> for all of its uh, advanced thinking, put this bylaw on the books that said uh, new construction has to be um, electric, the one thing that they couldn't get town meeting to accept, uh, largely because of rebellion in the restaurant industry, was that the stoves had to be induction. So they they made an allowance for gas cooking, you know, even though you couldn't heat with gas, but you could still cook with gas. New York City, I think, is going to go all the way and I mean, they they listened back to Avi, and, and they bought into induction
2: stoves. <laughs> you talked about this Brookline bylaw before and said that, when well, we were in the context of the town meeting discussion and the select board discussion. Um, and you said that initially it, had, it was overturned by the attorney general. Where What's the status of that bylaw right now?
1: So, so, so that was the approach that got reviewed by the attorney general. And, and uh, I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying that somehow the attorney general is less on board with dealing with climate change than the rest of us. The attorney general has to do what the interpretation
2: within Massachusetts laws, um, you
1: know, the attorney general sure, was, that, it was,
2: you know. That was is, whether, over, whether local government had overstepped its bounds because yeah. there are. So pretty much the attorney
1: the general, government. although expressing sympathy with the goals of the Brooklands bylaw, said, unfortunately, this doesn't wash, you know, that you've assumed the authority to change the building code um, and you don't have that authority, you know, that rests with the state. So at least in this part of the billing code. So uh, who knows if this will work, you know, cross our fingers, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but we tried, not we, I can't claim any credit for this. There's some activists in town who are just fantastic. Jesse Gray is one of them. Lisa Cunningham is another one, but Scott Anadian. um, But they they got behind the idea that maybe there is a different approach that will have the same effect. And the approach they came up with, with the advice of a, a, attorney who's pretty expert in zoning laws is um you can do it through zoning and so this zoning proposal was adopted by town meeting it it essentially says you don't have to build gas free but if you want to build with gas you'll do so under a special permit that expires in five years Hmm. and at that point um if if in fact the law is you have to go electric, then you're going to have to go electric. Now, so a lot of people have looked at that and said it's essentially, you know, holding a gun to the head and saying it's your choice, you know. (laughs) And the the attorney behind this proposal has written a very good brief um, as to why it should be allowed. And uh, the attorney general hasn't ruled yet. So we're still waiting for the attorney
2: general to rule. So right now that's still on hold, but we we still have-
1: that is still on hold. Yeah. I see.
2: Okay. Great. We should probably have you on this two-part series. This is
1: a two-hour know. show, right? It's <laughs> well, turning it into <laughs> one.
2: Uh, can we talk a little bit about uh, you know another another topic that people may hear mentioned without knowing much about? Uh, can we talk a little bit about 40B housing and what that is and what the state and the town is? Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, well, it's a state
2: initiative,
1: uh, and uh, in my view, for all of the you know, headaches that it can cause at the local level, I, I think it's a good one. It's actually been very productive in terms of uh, getting income-restricted housing, get, getting that incentivized and built. So it's, uh, it creates incentives for developers to do development within which there is a percentage of units, that, whether they be condo or rental, that are income restricted so that you make them um, affordable to people within a certain range of incomes, depending on the size of their household and depending on their two two income family and so on. And um, it all is adjusted according to the mean income in in the area and the mean cost of housing and area and so on. And so there's formulas for who can qualify for the restricted units but you can get a 24 unit development that is new, that is in Brookline and that has like maybe 10 uh, units. That's probably too many in terms of what, what usually applies. It's, uh, you know, 25 percent, generally speaking, is what they aim for. 25 percent of the unit units, 20 to 25 percent to be income restricted. So um, we've we've seen these 40 B developments that then get a lot more. Um, flexibility in in terms of passing through the local zoning board of appeals process, as long as they can prove that they are meeting the, the requirements of the state bylaw in terms of they are offering these subsidized units, they're agreeing to the terms under which those are offered in perpetuity, and they are also agreeing that they will get bonuses for offering those units, um, but they will still have to live within the context of the um the area in which they're building. So you might be able to uh take a corner lot and build a six-story building where there are nearby four-story buildings, but you probably couldn't build a you know 10-story building. So the zoning board of appeals locally has to sign a uh, oversee all of this but cannot absolutely s- stop it if the developer for the most part has lived within the requirements of the state law there's that tension
2: right but there's also a limit right there there this 40b allows new allows a developer to come in under under that there's a stack threshold. threshold. Yeah, but there's a threshold, and we're we're pretty close, aren't we?
1: And yeah, the, I, I didn't explain that part of the of the law. The state law is intended to incentivize this to happen, but then it says to communities where this is happening, if you achieve your safe harbor, they call it, uh, which is that ten uh, percent of your housing units are now affordable. Forty B does not apply. You can still do a for a what they call friendly forty B you know, you can still sort of decide because it's a good thing to have affordable units as part of a development. Um, Even though we are in our safe harbor, this developer isn't asking for too much. Um, And so we'll kind of like in a friendly way say, you know, if we would have allowed you under a 40B to do this and you're willing to do a little less, then let's do it. And that's all governed by this threshold. If uh, If you're under the threshold, you don't have the choice as to whether the developer gets to, to do a 40 B development. Um, you, the town doesn't have the yeah, choice.
0: You, the town. Yeah. So it's an interesting law because the way that that 10% is determined is both the denominator and the numerator have sort of weirdly specific things about it. Um, some units after a certain number of years can stop being affordable. It's based on uh, the number of, of housing units from the last census. So there's always a lag and in terms of what counts as an affordable unit, you could have like a 50 unit builder, whatever it is, if five of them or some number of them are affordable, that whole building will count towards the affordable number. And then right. the other thing, of course, is what we mentioned before we were talking about, there's a difference between affordable housing, which you I think you're right, it's income restricted or something like that is more descriptive. That's different than housing that is affordable to people. It's- it's um. When we say affordable housing, we're specifically talking about these um, generally income restricted units. The hook
2: line with a median income is like, what, $105,000? It's it's pretty
0: high, right? For a family of four, it's about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I've had plenty of people say, you know, over the years, uh, well, you you know, you call it affordable housing, but I can't afford it, you know, and they're right. right. You know, it's even, even what is defined as quote unquote affordable housing is not affordable to, you know, a fair number of people who um, are of average means um, the in the greater- But the above and below,
0: right? Like this, it's not affordable to people that if a, a unit, for example, says this is for someone who's earning 80% of the area uh, median income uh, and so a family for whatever that is about, approximately 105000 mm. um there's people that can't afford that. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's people who earn more than that who also don't qualify but can't afford market rate housing. Yeah, so rate. it's a good it's okay. a good tool. It's not a panacea because it misses people above and below.
1: Well, it also um can be used um by you know nonprofit uh, development entities that are in the business of essentially creating as much affordable housing as possible. So yes. you know, they're not they're not only going to you know put in twenty-five percent affordable, they're gonna try to Build um, all affordable, which we have one of those right now under consideration on Center Street in Brookline. Is the Brookline Housing Authority on
2: Marion Street also
1: doing oh, that? The- Brookline Housing Authority on Marion Street as well. Yeah, but um, Hebrew Senior Life on Center Street, perfect example. Um, it's all good um, in terms of uh, the maximizing the number of new units that are going to be created, um, and they are not just affordable, but they are also for people above I believe it's above age 65 therefore you know older adults and the zoning board looked at it the other day the proposal and said quite frankly you know if if not for 40b and if not for the fact that this is all affordable okay every unit in this new development is going to be affordable there's no way we would sign off on this we because it's because <laughs> basically the building is being built out to the limits of the footprint of the lot. Uh, But if it's for a a development that is all affordable, um, that makes it worth doing. So that's kind of how 40 B works. The more you can sort of create affordable housing, the more you're going to get some leeway in terms of what you can build.
2: And that's the Zoning Board of Appeals that is the final arbiter. Um, well, the Zoning on
1: Board of Appeals is the, not the final arbiter. They exercise sort of their authority, um, but it is isn't an absolute. And if if the developer thinks that the Zoning Board of Appeals is overstepping and hasn't allowed something that they actually are required to allow under the state 40B law, they can appeal to a court. So mm-hmm. um, it, it really does come down to what would the state agree and what would the court agree is within the purposes of the state 40 B law. And right. so with that as the understanding, the local board of appeals tries to get the best deal they can in terms of impacts on the neighborhood and, and so on.
2: Effectively, if you're going to go through a court process, that's going to be years and lots of dollars. Yeah. So it gives yeah. the developer a lot of incentive to work with. It's They would work with the ZBA That's they. Or does it go through planning first, or how does that go? Uh, well, it first goes
1: to planning and then to the select board to send a letter to the state saying um, this developer locally uh, wants to get an eligibility letter from the state to do a 40B in Brookline. And we just sent the state one of those letters this, this past uh, meeting that we had, and um, So, you know, everybody has a say at every step of the way, but in the early stages, all you can say is we think that he's asking for more than you should grant, and we think that the final thing that you approve for him to to do, that you make him eligible to do, should be more along the lines of this much and, you know, within these limits, and addressing this problem with the neighbor who will be overshadowed by the building. And so, you know, we make suggestions to the state as to what we think the state should permit under 40 B, And then, it, then, then the state looks at it. And then eventually, if the state has signed off on it, you know, then the person applies for a building permit and then it goes through the whole Zoning Board of Appeals process as to the design, the parking, the exit entrance, the traffic impacts
0: and so on. Yeah, this is fascinating. It's a, it's amazing how many different pieces and pressures there are that, that and over time build our, our, our landscape here, and how many different um, levers yeah. there are to influence it.
1: It's a very effective tool for um, create you know for getting the result that it aims to get, and, and what often what has happened more than once in recent experience is that a developer will say here's my proposal for development on this and such site and the town will look at it and say whoa i mean you know, you're way outside the bounds of what you know would be permitted without a you know variance or a special permit or whatever 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 and then the developer will say oh okay i guess i'll come back with a 40b proposal you know, and that's what they do i mean so whether whether they're going to Make it a 40b proposal or not? It's always on the mind of people in Brookline that if we just say no to everything that this developer is asking for, the developer can can have you know just go the 40b route. Right. Yeah, you
2: know, we're not quite out of the safe right. We're, we're not quite past the threshold right at, at, at this yeah, point. La-
1: latest, it's amazing how much that can change once you are once you are like right on the cusp. Literally, I've seen it go back and forth at least two or three times you know just in the past couple of years you know where we were not in the safe harbor then we were in the safe harbor then we weren't in the safe harbor and people are now saying you know wait a few months we'll be back in the safe harbor cuz there's some stuff coming online that wasn't counted you know the last time they determined whether we were in the safe harbor so if there, if, if there was no safe harbor at the time you pulled your building permit you know, you're kind of grandfathered. You know, you you get to continue in the forty B process, um, but I, I think if 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 you hadn't pulled your b- building permit and you were thinking about the forty B, and then all of a sudden we got into the safe harbor, then you got to rethink.
0: You know. So. Wow, there's uh, there's so much. You know, we could we could keep going on. You know, it's very enlightening to hear it. From, from someone knowledgeable and in it. And uh, um, again, if you missed it at the, at the top of the show, to get on to, to John's email uh, updates, go to goodgovernmentforbrookline.com and you can sign up there. They're really fantastic. And I, I think they're, they're must- and They're reads. free. They're free. They're free. free. Yeah. And, and John, we talked about this in the last episode, but you have a background in journalism and it shows in these newsletters that they're very well put together and, and researched and informative.
1: Thank you. Thank you for encouraging me. That's um, uh, not everybody, uh, you know, will agree that encouraging me is a good idea, but.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it works for us. I so <laughs> think people will put you on the select board. Mm. You know, it works for us to have you uh, giving all this information back out.
0: Thank you, John. So much for joining
2: us. Thank you, John. We really okay. appreciate it. Take care. Uh-huh.
0: Thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, If you have any questions or or follow-up feedback for us, you can reach us for info at accentbrookline.com.